Howdy, y'all, and welcome. You're listening to uh, Beyond the Official Narrative Friday Edition uh, on Republic Broadcasting Network at republicbroadcasting.org. This is Friday, March the 1st, and this is hour one of Beyond the Official Narrative, and no, I am not Richard Carey. Once again, I am that old thought criminal, Stephen Douglas Whitener, filling in for Mr. Carey today, who just... Had to get in a little extra. Everything's fine. He just took a couple of days off. The man puts in 10 hours, you know, a week minimum has been for a while. So, you know, I'm happy and proud to be able <coughs> to, uh, you know, fill in for him. And uh, I'll say howdy to all RBN listeners. You guys mean the world to me, Mr. Stadmiller's Neighborhood. I want to remind you that Mr. Stadmiller's Neighborhood is a self-supporting, listener-supported network. So you guys make sure that these <coughs> people who are working so hard for us uh, keep the network uh, going and can get paid and enjoy a Friday night once in a while. And happy Friday, y'all. And um, I want to mention one of our sponsors before I introduce uh, my co-hosts for tonight. Last yesterday, I went by to visit uh, Paul and Lynn at the Dixie Republican Travelers Rest, South Carolina, and it was great to see them. And I wanted to, they've done a little bit of remodeling inside the store. It looks a little not it's not vastly different, but it, it feels a little room here and stuff it really was nice to be there and it was good to see them again and if you're anywhere near travelers rest south carolina and you can so i urge you to stop in the dixie republic that's where i actually uh, met the two co-hosts i have tonight in person a, f- a couple of times i have my fellow rbn coast uh, the rebel madman mr mike gaddy and blackbird nine both mike howdy thanks for joining me i'll start with you sir well, uh, I really feel diversified tonight because I'm on a program with the Blackbird and Whitey. <laughs> yes, diversity at RBN, Blackbird and Whitey. That's a good one. Uh, yes, sir. Well, thanks. Okay. And I, I was saying before we came on, the only way this could be any better if we were sitting in that Confederate Corner coffee shop, you know, there at the Dixie Republic. And we've done that a few times, too. I look forward to doing that again. Uh, and thank you for joining me, Mr. Blackbird. with the Raven. <laughs> we are making such progress with our diversity measures here at RBN. We will get that ESG certification. You know. Anyway, <laughs> happy Friday from the sometimes rainy, sometimes sleeting, sometimes rainy, sometimes sleety Blackjack Mountain today. It's been we're right on the freeze zone, and so one minute everything will just be glazed over, and then look out again and it'll be wet. You know, so we're just doing that all night long. So anyway, it's been a fun day trying to get back and forth, having to time it. You know, do you want to walk on water? Or you want to walk on the ice, right? So, yeah, <laughs> I hate it when it's like that. Yeah. That's dang. You be careful that oh, I have gotten God. hurt. The North ice Passage is- between the Trading Post and Otmos, you know, can be treacherous during these winter months. Well, but anyway, <clears throat> thanks for having me. You know, sorry I got well, your uh, chat room shut down. And I, oh <laughs> well, I really appreciate you hosting the Thought Criminals while they were in exile at the Trading Post. Thank you so much, yeah, sir. Everyone and was I quite want- well behaved. All those thought criminals <laughs> in exile were very well behaved at the Trading Post. Enjoyed uh, having them. I- Mm-hmm. You know, we're I glad like- we helped reclo- relocate you into your new chat room, and it seems very nice. 
Yep, I think we're going to stay there for a while. It's comfy, you know, roomy, and, and, and I liked it. And I like the way you put it. Uh, if you're looking for a knife fight, we just wrote, you go on down the road. You know, that's, well, well I, I, you make that reference, disclaimer, I guess you might call it sometimes, and, and I appreciate that one too. I mean, it just sometimes things get a little ridiculous here. I mean, we're voices on the radio, and I do agree. Look, this is the front line, okay, uh, of this battle that's going on, where we're talking in public, and we still have free speech and can cover subjects here that other people may not, because, you know, RBN is listener-supported. That doesn't mean, you know, vulgarity is not an excuse for, is not a substitute for wit. How about that? (laughs) At the same time, okay, I'll, I'll throw that in there, and I really really appreciate both you guys. I always learn from both of you. I've learned more history, Mike, from you since I met you than all the time up until that point. And that's not an exaggeration because before I learned from you what a con this Constitution was, I was one of those people that just, if we could just get right back to the Constitution, you know, the founder's intent, this country would be just right. You know, it was ordained by God and all that. And it's like, oh, man, I can't believe that I was so uh, bought into that uh, belief that I was I was ready to go out and fight, you know, argue for it, fight for it. And, and, and a lot of people still are. And, and, it, and it saddens me, scares me, too. But I appreciate you uh, waking me up to that. Well, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to get me in trouble in the chat room. Uh, no, sir. I just, uh, before, you know, I, I th- th- and it, well, okay, I have to say it was Mr. Uh, Blackburn who pointed out that today is the Articles of Confederation Day. This is when they went into effect in 1781. Uh, uh, that was the last legitimate government on this continent, as far as I'm concerned. I'm, uh, uh, unless you include the Confederacy, the brief time that it uh, was there. I mean, you know, the last time there was one that was the whole had the whole support of the people i guess is what i'm saying that in my opinion now that's my opinion okay i am not a historian or a medical doctor i don't even play one on tv but i've learned these facts the last few years and and i do believe them to be accurate and true well one of the things Stephen, that i you know and i was flabbergasted as well i gotta tell you i will never forget back in the early 80s you know, uh, going into the National Archives and Library of Congress when I was doing my research for the No Such Agency and looking at uh, various things. And and suddenly, uh, one day, I had a little extra time, and I'd seen some things that had piqued my interest. So I asked the uh, person at the desk, you know, if they could uh, show me perhaps some letters between, uh, at the time, I was thinking about letters between Madison and Jefferson. And so they said, sure, we've got lots of them. So, you know, they brought them out. Well, of course, back then, you know, it was all on microfish. And I remember that first day sitting down reading some of those letters between Jefferson and Madison going way back, you know, uh, you know, prior to the Declaration of Independence even. And when I got into those, I was just absolutely, I, I'll never forget, I got up from the desk, I walked, or I got up from the table where i was sitting with the microfish reader and i went up to the curator and i said is this real and she said of course it is 
And I said, these letters are documents. She said, yes, I can show you what collections they came from. And I got to tell you guys, when I went home that evening there on Wilson Boulevard in Arlington, I, I was just, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I said, if this is real, everything I've been taught for the last 16 years of my educational life has been blatantly false. And it, it's not an easy transition, and you know that as well, Stephen, and I'm sure you do yes, too, sir. Frederick. That is not an easy transition when you have to accept something. But, you know, the one thing that I'm thankful for is the fact that I had the courage to accept the truth. And today we've got millions out there that don't have that courage and don't want it. It's a very traumatic thing to go through. I have to say it is. It, uh, it had it has been for me, but on the other side of it, it has been a very freeing thing because now I can recognize this empire for lies for what it is and turn my back on it as much as possible with a good conscience. Well, when you I, look at the actual truth, Stephen, and then I want to see what uh, Frederick's got to say on this. When you see the actual truth and you see it in print, and then you see the effects that we're living in today, it makes sense. Because you're seeing how we, because so many times, I remember writing an article back 25 so years ago, and the title of my article was, How Do We Get in This Mess? And that was, uh, and again, 25 years ago, it was uh, pretty close to heaven compared to what it is now. But even back then, you could see things just weren't right. And then to have the benefit of having a grandfather who in his young years had sat at the feet of his dad and his uncle, primarily. There were others, but those two primarily. And they taught him about what the so-called Civil War was all about and what happened during that time. And to be able to, you know, yes, it was secondhand information, but it was firsthand from, from people who actually experienced it. And that was... That was a real shakeup for me as well. So, uh, Frederick, what was your transition, buddy? When did when did you fall over the tripwire? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm <laughs> a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yankee Doodle Doodle Die. Oh, no. Um, yeah. You've been drinking again? <laughs> really? I wish. <laughs> You bunch of nerdy wells on a Friday night trying to get me in trouble again. God, I can't go anywhere. Um, but yeah, that's uh, you know that cognitive dissonance that you know you have to face your own Overton window and where your no go zones used to be. But you can no longer deny the evidence in front of you, and you have to eat those chunky bits. And those are some incredibly chunky bits. And, um, you know, your description as, as you're putting these pieces together and you start seeing the hidden traps, and that's the, you know, uh, genius of the transition from the Articles of Confederacy to the Constitution is, it's like the Communist Manifesto in that it looks good at first read, right? It's all the things that 
aren't talked about in print because that's the uns, you know, unwritten Kabbalah of it, right? Uh, but there, you see all these little linguistic traps, you know, these psychological traps that have double entendres that it can be interpreted a completely different way in the hands of an unscrupulous person like the hidden hand, right? <laughs> so those, those good old Zabatee and Frankas chicken swingers, they love to play those pill-pull tricks and then say, it's legal. We, everything we're doing is legal. See, here's the law right here, and you know it's wrong, Uh but you know they can make a legal case for it, and uh, that's the maddening part of it. Is you know one day they're arguing one thing, and the next day they're arguing something else, and the holes in the Constitution, like you and I talk about, it was such a beautiful idea of this idea of a you know representative government elected by the people, a people's government, constitutional republic, to rival the you know Plato's Republic of Rome, right? And, uh, you know, but you can just see, especially when you study the Articles of Confederation and the, what the changes were, and you see, you know, what the Constitution was set up with, you know, you can see that, okay, this is about a power grab, and we're going to, you know, put all this stuff in here that sounds good, we can sell it, we can market it, but later on we're going to use it for these various purposes. And, you know, it just... You know, what you must have been going through reminds me of what I was going through back when I was at the peak of my game. I was living the dreams in the late 90s, running into that brick wall of 9-11. And I was, you know, helping develop these classes that were then being sold to places like the NSA, Booz Allen, Hamilton, uh, you know, all the military contractors, all the telcos, you know, all the ISPs, because we were trying to, well, what we were doing was converging the data world to the telephony world, you know, so the computers and the phones would be going over, and the cell phones would be over the same networks, right? And to see that the NSA and all the telcos, with the exception of Quest under Joseph Nacho, he was the only one who refused to go along with it, and they put him in a hole real fast about the same time they were taking me out. But you know, to, I would come home from these training, you know, I'd be out like three weeks at a time and come home and slowly I'm putting together what they're doing and you know, and I'm telling you, know, my trying to tell my wife and friends, you know, about you. Know, you won't believe that. Not only are they destroying the FISA laws that the Church Committee put in place in the '70s because of this foolishness, but uh, they are they're going after the First Amendment and Fourth Amendments. So they're just shredding it and saying it does not apply to us. They're sweeping up everything, and. Uh, you know, we finally proved that. And one of the things I was trying to prove big red pill to try to choke down was behind the telcos and the NSA, there was another pipe going to Israel. And I got blacklisted before I could prove that. I proved all the, you know, that they're doing illegal, <laughs> you know, sh constitution shredding surveillance. I could prove that, but I couldn't prove that. You know, there was a pipe behind the NSA going straight to Tel Aviv and the Unit 8200. And in 2013, Edward Snowden 
uh, prove that, you know, and so that was kind of my, you know, okay, I'm having to face this big truth that I don't want to think about, but it's staring me in the face, and it means so much when somebody else sees it, too. And so, you know, I would ask Mr. Mac, uh, Gaddy, you know, who did you find after that crisis of faith in the Constitution, you know, that they, you know, were all like, welcome to the club. Now you see it. Yeah. So, so were some of the people you ran into after that, because one of the things, despite this being the worst experience of my life, I have met some of the most wonderful people from all over the world that I would never have met, like these gentlemen here, had it not been for the false flag of 9-11 and all the foolishness that came in tow with that. So back to you. Oh, uh, I think that's great, great but uh, we better let Whitey in here. What's, you, what, what's on your mind, Whitey? <laughs> well, well, okay. I like, first of all, that was a great comparison you made with the Constitution and the Communist Manifesto. And at first pale, it sounds good, don't it? And, but they wrote it that way, too, for a reason, you know. It, paid such attention to the minutia of the detail of the clauses and the wording just so they could do just what they're doing now that i i, I like that you pointed that out and uh this is like a tribe of truth i agree with what you said frederick there's so many people i would never have met all around the world had i not woke up to the matrix that i was living in basically it's very much very similar to that movie the matrix where the guy wakes up in the, the, uh, the pod and all of a sudden holy the world's really like this no and you know since then i have met people just just like yourselves and it coming up on just two years a little over two years when i first heard you mr gaddy i had heard a broadcast that was from the dixie republic even before the that dixie fest that's the first time that i was exposed to this and then get to meet you at the dixie republic after that man you know i'm living the dream on one level but i'm living the nightmare on another <laughs> with the things i've discovered i think we all can relate to that well uh, absolutely and <clears throat> you know this afternoon i was uh, <laughs> i you know just skimming through some stuff um and uh, i would like to get your guys input on this i uh after the years at uh, the No Such Agency, uh, I decided that I wanted to make myself some notes. Oh, we got music. Uh, Be back. First break, y'all. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. 
Contact Brad at 3dbunkers.com for more details or visit 3dbunkers.com. Do you begin to smell some funky little things going on? Let me share this story with you. It's not so much a story. It's something I wrote years ago. Read your history, people. Stock markets collapse on Friday. Bank seizures, closures, holidays take place after business hours on Friday. Do currencies or governments also collapse on Friday? <laughs> Tomorrow's Friday. Will the end come on this Friday or will the inevitable collapse hold off for a while? The next round of the worst financial crisis in a hundred years is coming, people. And the government is out to make you and I pay for it. And will your savings survive a global banking wipeout? What happens when the U.S. sees hyperinflation? What if taxes soar not only for the rich? Can you survive the stock market tanks? Look, between a stock market wipeout, waves of bank failures, soaring government spending that will lead to hyperinflation and the destruction of the dollar's value, isn't it time that you prepare for the uncertainty which lies ahead? Protect your money now or forever kiss it goodbye. My friends, I offer you over six decades experience of hard asset ownership and knowledge. And I'm prepared to handle the smallest detail in the balanced protection of your portfolio. For as the future of uncertainty continues to blanket this nation of ours, I believe that I can offer you the privacy, safety, security, and possibly some profitability which you deserve. And so I invite you to visit SierraMondrePreciousMetals.com for further information regarding protecting your wealth. Or call me, Jeffrey Bennett, at 602-799-8214. Or by email at KettleMoraineLTD at Cox.net for private consultation. Once again, our phone number is 602-799-8214. It's almost Friday. Welcome back, everyone. You listened beyond the official narrative, and those CDs live pretty good these days. Ten thousand dollars a month on the debit card, I believe. But I'm sorry, I, <laughs> that just popped in my head uh, with the music. And break cut you off, uh, Mike. Let me toss it back to you, sir. All right, buddy. Uh, I was just going to ask you guys for your opinion. I uh, decided after years, I so many of the conversations that I'd had with people inside the oxymoronic field of government intelligence i just wanted to write them down because i i wanted to have have them somewhere so i put together this uh, deal about you know uh hypothetical conversations although the conversations that i wrote about were real and uh a few years ago uh when i was uh, at another platform uh, there was this lady on there that had an everyday show, kind of, you know, like uh, what uh, you're you're standing in for now. But uh, and uh, I she uh, I told her about it and she said, well, could I read it? And I said, sure. So I sent it to her and she read it because I had actually had it published as an article back around 2001 or 2002. I kind of put it together, you know, with no names or anything. And uh, she uh, 
she said, can I read this on my show tomorrow? And uh, I, without attribution, and I said, sure, go ahead. Read it if you want to. Guys, this is the truth. The lady got three quarters of the way through and had a mental breakdown. She uh, and and she had to give up her program. I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of shocking that uh, that it happened that way. But uh, I've been thinking about taking that whole thing and putting it into a sub stack. What do you guys think? Well, it sounds pretty dramatic. Uh, if it caused that effect, what, what do you think, uh, Frederick? I want to read it. See if I go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a or short putt. Crazy er, I should say. <laughs> That's not a long drive. That's short, a short putt. Short trip. Short trip. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I was thinking about that. Then the other thing, guys, that I was doing this afternoon, and I had just gotten into this, and I thought to myself, well, I remember the relationship between Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. And it was quite a weird relationship. Well, I guess not weird back then, but it was kind of strange. You know, they were big buddies, you know, and of course, you know, that uh, uh, Madison followed Jefferson as president. Uh, But uh, Jefferson was in France, uh, kind of involved in a little uh, an affair with a married woman, uh, you know, when he was over there. And uh, of course, his wife was dead there. It was just him. And uh, so. He uh, was in France, and he was very much interested in this new constitutional convention they were having. And so Madison was writing him letters telling him about it. Of course, you have to remember that it took a couple of months for Madison's letter to get to Jefferson, and then for Jefferson's response took another couple of months. So, you know, there weren't that many letters that actually went back and forth during that uh, time frame there in 1787. But I was just reading one of them uh, today, uh, one of the letters, and uh, Madison stated the following to Jefferson in an effort to try to explain the new Constitution. Now, this was written on October 24, 1787, so it was the uh, Constitution was signed on the 17th, so it was a week later. Now, I, I found this very unusual. Well, not really unusual. It'll be unusual for a lot of folks. But, quote, it was generally agreed that the objects of the Union could not be secured by any system founded on the principle of a confederation of sovereign states. A voluntary observance of the federal law by all of the members' states could never be hoped for. Hence was embraced the alternative of a government which, instead of operating on the states, would operate on the individuals composing them. So Madison then goes on to tell Jefferson that the new Constitution was necessary in order to protect the individuals in each state from their own state governments. So, (laughs) had you ever heard that before, that the Constitution was necessary to keep the people from being oppressed by their state governments? I don't recall hearing that, but it does seem like it was to protect the uh, state from the people more to me. But that's just by the way it looks to me. Well, it's it just the opposite of what so many other people thought. And you know, when you get to these letters between Madison and Jefferson, I'll never forget the 1784 letter from 
Jefferson to Madison, where he said, we should pray devoutly for the death of Patrick Henry. Now, why did Jefferson and Madison want Patrick Henry dead? Maybe he knew something that would that they didn't want to get out about them. That that's one thought, I guess. Oh, hey, bottom of the hour break, folks. We'll be right back. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few highlights. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I have been using Extendivite for many years. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. 
With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at libertystickers.com. Again, that's libertystickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Welcome back, everyone. This is Beyond the Official Narrative on Republic Broadcasting Network. And we were just speculating uh, why, why they prayed fervently for Patrick Henry's death. My possibility, maybe he knew something they didn't want to get out, but uh, that's just a one guess and possibility. What, what, what would be the reason? What do you think, Frederick? Um, I didn't, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were still talking to Mr. Bob oh, no. Oh, well, either, either way, that, that's just my guess. Now, you know, I know that he also was a very religious guy, and he opposed the Constitution, Be you know, and saw it for what it was, too. But it just – I had the thought, well, maybe he's got some dirt on them, you know, that they don't want to get out. That just – that just – I had not thought about that one before. So, let, yeah, let me ask you, what do you think there? Well, first off, thanks, Mr. Mike Gaddy, for that Easter head of – all through the break, I'm just sitting there making connections of having my entire worldview of the Constitution change there because uh, for the first time, I saw the game theory of the Articles of Confederations were about independent autonomous states. The big delta that I had never made the connection was to redefine the Republic as the collection of individuals that were part of the nation that just happened to live in the various states. So this is really turning, you know, the original Articles of Confederation and intent on their heads. And it was a brilliant way to lay the groundwork. You know, it's like, oh no, this is all about the role the individual plays with this federal government, and it completely supersedes anything about the individual and the state's government. So, yeah, I really have to think on that one. But one uh, thing that, you know, I was thinking about where you're going about was, you know, the Masonic status. You know, when we look at, you know, the history of, you know, the Zabateans and the Frankists and the creation of, you know, Freemasonry and the Grand Lodge of London established in 1717, and how many of these leaders were Freemasons, both at the local level, state level, and the federal level. And, you know, Madison, you know, uh, swore up and down that he was not a Freemason, but you also wonder, you know, it was he being leveraged by them? You know that whole bully, bribe, blackmail, banish, and bury method of theirs is completely intransigent. 
that you know they you get on their target you know they're going to offer you the carrot but if you don't take the carrot they're going to give you the stick right uh and yeah so what was madison leveraged or did he really in that genius mind of his think that this was the best way to approach it as individuals being you know controlled by a super state which is basically talmudic theory 101 and completely 180 degrees from anything ever to come out of rome or um you know previous you know fat fascist empires if you will and republics so back to you Well, hence the comparison to the Communist Manifesto earlier was so apt, too. It, that big we, the people there, it's like that exp- it, that explains it more. And it was written, I do believe, to protect that central – well, to protect the state governments even and the government in general from the people instead of the other way around. And they can't abide a, a collection of independents – States, but they can oppress all the people. It, it 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 is a completely different way to look at it, and the end result. I mean, it's become an empire that controls all of us. It, it, you know, I'm, I also was thinking about the comparison, the way things are going on now, where the gates are welded open, and right before the Civil War, they want to put all these people in our army too. I mean, history just keeps. Uh, rhyming, I guess. I was going to say repeating, but it seems like we're going to come up on something soon, too. I wanted to mention this when we came back. Uh, I was thinking this. I want to put this in researchers' uh, bug in their ear. Back 11 years ago, CNN did this program that they called March Madness in conjunction with what they are, intelligence agencies. And it was like a little war game exercise, you know, and it all had to do with cyber attacks. And of course, they it was all centered around Russia back at the time. And technology was a lot different March of 2013. But they called this thing March Madness. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And I went back to look at some of the things, and I think it might become relevant soon if anybody's ever heard of that. I just wanted to mention that on the air because some of you guys might want to check that out. <laughs> Let me toss it back to you, Mike, with that. I, All right. I just wanted to mention that before I forgot it. Certainly, buddy. And if it sounds like I'm in the shower, I'm not. We're under a heavy rain right now, so uh, the tin roof makes a lot of noise. So, uh, folks, I apologize for any interference that might cause. But, uh, guys, the basic reason, 1784, that uh, Jefferson and uh, Madison want to see Patrick Henry dead is because Patrick Henry had a huge amount of influence in Virginia. And, you know, he had been their governor during you know uh, the Revolutionary War, he had gone back and forth with his uh, unit, and he was doing everything that he could uh, to uh, you know to bring things together as they should be. And but the thing that really was perturbing Madison and Jefferson, who were both deists. The thing that was really bothering them was the fact that Patrick Henry was making a lot of inroads in Virginia into developing a state constitution based on the Christian Bible. And that Madison and Jefferson just could not allow to happen. 
And so that was the reason 1784, this is about, you know, three years before the Constitutional Convention, but Patrick Henry is pushing for a constitution based on Christian principles, and they don't want it. And so they're doing everything that, you know, that is part of the thing that uh, really prompted Jefferson in his letter to the Danburys about separation of church and state. And that was had a lot to do with that. So we see that. But then one of the other things I wanted to point out, guys, is that Patrick Henry was on to, in, in so many instances, what was really going on with these people. And he saw it very pointedly. And he he addressed it. And uh, But then I was thinking about, you know, the, the farce that we have because— and we know that the uh, today's the anniversary of the Articles of Confederation, March 1st, 1781. But how many people know that Alexander Hamilton was writing letters to people in 1780 before the Articles of Confederation had even been ratified? He's writing letters to uh, James Duane and to other people, uh, Robert Morris and to others, Gouverneur Morris saying, look, you know, we can't let this go on like this. We've got to have a new convention. Well, it's not even in effect yet, and and Hamilton is screaming for a new convention because he's looked at the Articles of Confederation. He knows how limited the powers to the federal government would be under the Articles, and he had to do something, so he, you know, went through that. But then today when I was looking at through some stuff – also happened to look at something Alexander Hamilton said in Federalist number 84, and it's very short, and it's about bills of rights, because as you know, that had the people not been promised a bill of rights, the Constitution would not have been ratified. It's really that simple. So uh, here's what Hamilton said in Federalist 84. Bills of rights are not only unnecessary in this proposed Constitution, but would even be dangerous, unquote. Dangerous to whom, Frederick? The state, of course, <laughs> and the uh, the one percent. Yes, that was. It would be dangerous to the people, and you know, when we get to that quote again about uh, uh, Madison telling uh, that, telling Jefferson that the well, we had to do this to protect the people from their state governments, and therefore we had to come up with a constitution that dealt directly with the individuals. Well, at the ratification conventions in Virginia, Patrick Henry saw through this, and he kept saying to the people, you know, look, no, you don't want a government that acts on the individuals, not a federal government that acts on the individuals. That will never work. Because, And then he made a very poignant statement. He said, look, when it comes to taxes, under the Articles of Confederation, if the government requ- requests a certain amount of money, according to population or what have you, if they request a certain amount of money towards the federal uh, expenditures, then the states can decide whether or not they want to give it. And that was uh, Madison's biggest problem. He could not allow in any way, he and Hamilton both, 
that a state could tell the federal government, no, we're not giving you money for that. Well, what if we had that in place today, guys, with all of these billions and billions of dollars that's being sent to the Ukraine and, and to uh, Israel? What if today, what if it took every state to ratify that before they could do it? What if they're spending money What if, on these illegals? What if it took every state to ratify? It would never happen. And that is exactly what Madison told Jefferson in that letter. We can't have this form of government because if we do, the states will be able to say, nope, I'm not doing that. Well, Patrick Henry at the ratification convention was very open when he said, look, people, if the states tell the federal government to take a hike because they refuse to pay their tax, the federal government cannot put an entire state in jail. But if they can operate on the individual, they sure can put the individual in jail. And, you know, who would have seen through something like that except the brilliance of Patrick Henry? Back to you guys. And they acted as if Patrick Henry wanted to set up a theocracy there in Virginia, too, instead of just one that was based on Christian principles or Christian forbearance. I remember you had mentioned that before. It was, And it was vital for them to get that strong central power to control all the people. I mean, it, it all comes together, like you said, Frederick, it, it changes the dynamic so much because this this uh, beast that's sitting in D.C. now, this like there's a, there's several of them. There's one in London too, you know, in Rome. But they they are controlling all these people, and the, the governments are just kind of in the way of them. You know, they they they, they would rather rule us directly. I think they're turning us right back into slaves with this technology. I just uh, which just fell out of my hand. Sorry, the technology. Just dropped out of my hand, but yeah, they're you, they're turning us back into a, a a literal prison planet with this technology here. And they would love to do away with any government, just governance and your social credit score, your digital currency, your surveillance grid, and thank you very much. And then that's they're done, I guess, because that's really where this is headed. Quick, I, quicker than I ever thought possible, too. I, I think something. Like I said, it's coming pretty soon. They're all selling their stock. All these insiders, the insider traders, they they made more sales now than at any time. And yeah, it's just big news. I don't have all the details, but it spooked me a bit that they know something's coming in the near future. Back to you guys. Either one of you. Do you feel that? Either one of you guys feel that, too, with the quickening and all in the march like me? Or is that just me? You know, I can get antsy, I know, but it just seems to me like that they want another 9-11 type event to, to further cement their power. Oh, I'll jump in. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah you can definitely feel they need a big distraction right now. And people are starting to noticing too many patterns and you talk about march madness just a little fun fact that in addition to march being the time of year when several types of critters come out of hibernation and are thinking about getting something to eat and getting uh, a mate for the spring and they're not really paying attention to what they're doing mad as a march hare as you will but also march is when the Jewish ritual of Purim 
occurs, which is basically their very, very, very dark uh, Halloween based loosely around the death rituals in the book of Esther, you know, about preemptively taking out your opposition, rise up and strike first. And it is, you know, a complete uh, debauch holiday when you look at, you know, what the actual tenets of Purim are and, uh, you know, it's about just get, get as drunk as, so you can't even tell good from evil type of thing. Everything's the opposite. So you can see that Zabatean Frankist influence uh, that this has become such a big part of modern Judaism. And uh, so, you know, that's the one part. But also, uh, speaking of Zabatean Frankist Jews, you know, the letters and the panic of Alexander Hamilton at this time, because we know that he was Rothschild's person in the Continental Congress. And Rothschild, of course, had, on May 1st, 1776, had formed the Illuminati with Jacob Frank and Adam Washup, right? And so a idea of a Christian republic would send panic into the Jewish community because of you know how it all started back in 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492 Spain threw out all of its Jews you know <laughs> and it was uh, you know that's the reality of another diaspora because these people were getting thrown out of country after country for being, who they are, right? This is the thing. They say we have irrational anti-Semitism because we're being us, and then you look at what that means, and you can see why they've been expelled. So this panic of the new world, you know, being denied to them, especially after so late in the game where all the resources are starting to show up as to how wealthy a place this really is. And so they don't want to lose control of that. But if it was a Christian theocracy, a republic, you know, another, uh, you know, uh, Rome, if you will, uh, they would be excluded from that. Uh, that would definitely send panic. So I'm just fascinated with this, you know, dynamic of Alexander Hamilton pushing so hard to get away from the Articles of Confederacy into this constitutional model, which is much more Talmudic in its you – know, it's a very, very uh, – compared to the Articles of Confederation, more of a centralized master-slave power system between the state and the individual. Right, and so you could see uh, why they would be in such a panic. So this is just some of the things I noticed real quick. So back to you. It's very easy under that system to pass a treaty, and the treaty is ruling the individual people even more than their state governments in some ways because they use the treaty to justify the Korean War for one thing. But you know, I digress. Sorry, Mike. Let me. Talk. No, no, no. Don't yeah. apologize. I, I just need to ask you a question, Stephen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, and uh, the good uh, Blackbird there, he just rang my chimes, made my memory do double backflips. Uh, Blackbird and Stephen, are you guys familiar with how many wars this country has started in March? Uh, quite a few. I know they attacked that shock and all for one. That was a rack, right? But there's been more than those. I, 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 
so I, don't, I forgot how many, but I know more than two. <laughs> well, look, look at all of them. And then when uh, Blackbird, it, it just uh, made my memory jump when Blackbird mentioned, you know, the Jews and March and their approach. And then I started thinking about all of the wars that have been started in March. Now, of course, you know, after 9-11, that one came in October. But, uh, you know, let's look at others. If uh, wasn't the... Uh, First uh, desert storm, wasn't that a March event? Or, you know, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, that's one of the things I saw that, uh, you know, from your comment that just kind of shook me up there a little bit. But uh, to get back to uh, Hamilton and the others, I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there not going to uh, uh, really believe this, and that's fine. You can believe what you want to. That's uh, what happens. But, uh, you know, the thing about Hamilton and you mentioned Hamilton being Rothschild's kid. Obviously, he was, because how does a little bastard kid, 18 years old from Nevis, end up in the United States with a free education and then end up on General George Washington's staff? I mean, what are the chances of that if you were playing the lottery? But uh, the point of it is, and I think this can be well documented if you are willing to actually be patient and research, George Washington was a... Pino. He was president in name only, and we've had a whole bunch of those. But Alexander Hamilton ran the government from his position as Secretary of the Treasury. Now, people, if you you know, if you have problems with that, you know, there's a letter about 1792. Thomas Jefferson had had about all he could take of Alexander Hamilton. And he also saw that Hamilton was manipulating uh, Washington. And he saw this, and so he went in and he told Washington, uh, I'm resigning. And Washington said, no, no, please stay till the end of my first term. Please do, please do. So Jefferson agreed. But Jefferson also sent Washington a letter and said, look, 21 points. I want you to tell me why this is happening. Mr. Washington, why is this why are these things happening like they are? Why is the Secretary of Treasury able to go before the Congress and propose laws? There's nothing in the Constitution that uh, allows that. And then Jefferson was also opposed to the uh, invasion of uh, Pennsylvania for to collect the whiskey tax. And then again, you know, I talked with a guy a couple of days ago, and he, oh, Washington had every right to do that. That was an insurrection. You know, he had the right to do it. It was a revolt. The Constitution gives him that right. No, it doesn't. Because Article 4, Section 4 says that the federal government cannot go into any state to put down a revolt unless they are requested to do so by the governor or the legislature. And so he didn't have that authority, but a lot of people are totally unfamiliar with the whiskey tax. They think all the whiskey was taxed. No, the only whiskey that was taxed under Hamilton's taxing scheme was the whiskey that was being made by the poor farmers. And that was actually a part of their crops. They would actually sell off the whiskey to uh, put a roof over their head, to put food in their mouths, to do all this other stuff. But the whiskey tax was not applicable to the huge distilleries. Anybody beginning to see a pattern here? There was no whiskey tax on the uh, large distilleries. There was no whis- there was no tax 
on champagne. There was no tax on sherry. There was no tax on wine. Only the moonshine, as we called it in the hills there, guys, only the moonshine was taxed. Now, Hamilton had passed this law to make even the people, the lower class people, even more subservient to government. He wasn't taxing the big people. Now, think about that. Okay, who was one of the largest distillery owners in the country when this tax was passed? George Washington. But Jefferson sends this letter and says, why are all these things happening? Well, you can track it, you know, this pattern thing. And then what happens is Washington then sends a letter with all 21 points in it to Hamilton. And he asks Hamilton, why are these things happening? I've been asked by Colonel Mason. He didn't tell Hamilton the truth. Why not? I've been asked these questions. Why is this why is this going on? Why are these things happening? Well, Jefferson had been totally opposed to the Judicial Act of 1789, and the Judicial Act of 1789 was an unconstitutional act that was added to the Constitution to defend the government from a bill of rights, and they've used it for that purpose. And the uh the uh, Judicial Act of 1789 had more words in it than the Constitution. Go ahead, guys. We'll be right. We'll be right back next hour, folks. Continue this. from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilajit by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shilajit literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shilajit has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network. 